Well, I think it's finally sprung. Spring! It's here! The rapid snow melt. Maybe too rapid in some places, but still, it's, it's going. Everyone seems to be out walking their dogs. I'm impatient for the first signs of crocus breaking the soil. It's a wonderful time of year. A fool would not recognize the sign of the times. Oh, I know it's Minnesota and we could still get some snow, but even if we did, spring is here. It's coming and life is renewed. In this morning's gospel, when Jesus was teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God, announcing to the crowds that had followed him about God's love and compassion, showing them through healing that God welcomes those who were thought to be excluded and pushed to the sides. As Jesus was talking and preaching, he had a hand raised. They brought up the whole tragedy of Pilate and the worshipers, where Pilate's violence killed those maybe pilgrims who had come to offer their sacrifices at the temple. They want Jesus' take on the event. They want him to explain what this sign means. What does this event? They were impatient to understand how it connected with this kingdom that he was talking about. We find ourselves in a similar place. Whenever something really bad happens in the world or in our lives, we're impatient. We want an answer. We want to know why did this thing happen? Who's responsible? And when we don't find an easy answer, sometimes we wonder about God. We wonder, we blame God. God, why did you let this happen? Why did you pull back the curtain and allow for this event to happen? Are you testing us? Are you punishing us? I can't tell you how many times as a pastor that I've sat with people in hospitals before, after surgery, and folks wonder, why? Why, God, are you causing this to happen? Are you trying to test my faith here? Such anguish comes from our impatience to have everything explained. Jesus responds, to those who think that such things happen as a sign of God's judgment, evidence that at the heart God is filled with wrath and demands justice. Jesus says, no, that's not the way it works. He offers another example, one not of violence created by a mad ruler, but one of a tower falling down what we might call an accident, yet still people died in that incident. And is that a sign of God's judgment? Were those folks worse than anyone else on the scale of sin? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not so. 
Instead of thinking of God as a wrathful judge when tragedy strikes, when we are faced with violence, Jesus invites us to think of God in terms of mercy. He tells us this wonderful parable. Now, parables are teaching stories. They're on purpose ambiguous. There's space in there for us to think and to allow our spiritual imaginations to wander. They allow us to wonder why, what do these things mean, and how are they connected? Jesus' parable here of the fig tree is usually interpreted, though, in very strict manner. God is the owner of the vineyard. God wants all the trees in the vineyard to bear fruit. When they don't, God's got a real sharp axe, and he just can't wait to use it. But there's a gardener, and the gardener is Jesus. Jesus steps in, and Jesus begs for mercy, convincing the owner that's in its best interest to let one more year transpire. The owner is impatient, but he's convinced to wait just a little longer. And the fig tree, why, that's Israel. That's the people of God. But I wonder if we've gotten that parable wrong. If we've always looked at that parable through the lens of a judging and wrath-filled God. What if we looked at it through the lens of mercy? What if we looked at it through the entire life and ministry of Jesus Christ? What if God is the gardener in the story? What if God is not the impatient judge, but the one who gets his hands dirty in the manure, working? Hoping, encouraging, coaxing growth out of a tree that isn't as productive as it ought to be. Isn't this the God that we find throughout Scripture? That in the face of human sin forgives? Isn't this the God that returns again and again? even after the people wander again and again. Isn't this the God who has everlasting, steadfast love, chesed, that is shared lavishly on a creation that is unproductive? Jesus talks about God in terms of mercy. Now, you might say, but didn't Jesus just in this story, didn't he point out that these two tragedies are just an illustration of what happens if we don't repent? Repentance is a movement toward God. And when Jesus talks about repentance, he is talking about the movement toward not a wrath-filled God of judgment, but the movement, the turning toward a God of mercy and love. And when we don't, when we go about life on our own ways and our own terms, 
when we just ignore God's presence in life, what happens is a separation occurs. We find ourselves on the other side of a gap. We find ourselves going about our own business. And folks, that leads to destruction. That leads to destruction in our lives. It breaks down our relationship. It compromises our ability as a church to proclaim the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. When that happens, those tragedies are good illustrations, observations of the situation. For we find ourselves hopeless and helpless. We find ourselves needing God's grace and love. Jesus invites us in repentance each day to turn to God who loves us, to turn to the God who brings forth spring, who brings forth renewal in our lives, in the life of the church, to move in the direction of Easter, of restoration, of resurrection. For as our gaze goes in that direction, then we will see glimpses that God has not left us. God remains close beside. And that mercy and that presence of God, why, it's like the crocus that breaks through that hard ground and announces the arrival of spring. Amen.